I prefer to have wholesale problems. Like to think of having, let's say, 35 fix and flips going on at a time, that is not something that would excite me to go solve. Yeah, yeah. You understand? I'd rather solve the problem of having 30 sales agents trying to do wholesale deals and managing and accountability. I'd rather solve that problem. That's the world. Like that's the world that I think that anyone should try to attack the one that you want to solve the problems for. Well, welcome to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today I have the pleasure of meeting with Raul Boluf. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Bolufe. A Bolufe. Here we go. <laughs> and of course, I have my co-host my, and my son, my business partner, and of course, real estate phenomenon, Antoine Martel. <laughs> I always try to surprise him with something. <laughs> Here <laughs> with we something. go. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, let's talk about Raul. So in 2012, Raul uh, quit his job in a thriving family business uh, and moved back with his mom and started chasing his goal which was real estate investing. Uh, he had no experience, no connection, no training, no real support, no safety net. And uh, so he took a leap of faith and uh, invested uh, the limited amount of funds that he had into uh, property, uh, all cash, $61,000. We're definitely going to talk about that. Yeah. And uh, since then, Rahul has co-founded Capital Rise Investments and now wholesales over $12 million dollars. Uh, in uh, real estate, uh, and then also he has a team that flips and buy and hold properties, and all that uh, helps him achieve financial freedom. So, Raul, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk. I, I really uh, like to talk about kind of like transition. Like what you okay. know, this is a pretty big decision. You're working with uh, with your family in your family business, a thriving business. Tell us more about that business and why you decide to leave. Yeah. So. Uh, always growing up, I, I always saw my dad as like quite the hustler. So he came here from Cuba, pretty much started at I think like at McDonald's and then bought a first car for $500, flipped it, made a thousand, bought two cars. And then that spiraled into a car dealership. So right. uh, kind of like an independent car dealership here in South Florida. And it was, I mean, I was always doing super well for, for what I remember. So when I turned 16, I said, Hey, uh, dad, I, I want to make some money. He's like, well, come work at the dealer said, all right, like, where can I make the most money? He's like, no, no, slow down. You got to wash cars first. So I'm uh -huh. like, okay. So I started washing cars. I did that for like a year. Then I started transitioning to like being a runner. Now that I got my license, I could like drive people to the bank and deposit checks and, you know, do things like that. So I learned how to drive real fast okay. <laughs> quickly too. But so fast forward, I finally got to the salesperson part and I started learning how to sell cars, which it was in Spanish, my Spanish wasn't very good at the time, and I learned how to sell uh, cars in Spanish fast. I had to make 200 bucks, talk Spanish. Like I had no idea like uh, how to do it. He's like, I'm like, how do I sell a car? He's like, well, you got six other salespeople right here. Learn from one of them. I'm like, shit. So I get in there. He really, really believed in like the figure it out method, which I still use today. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so it was kind of, it was doing well. I was making pretty good money selling cars. Um, and then I became a finance and then, you know, the next step was a general manager and then to, you know, become kind of like managing partner or owner or something and opening another branch. Yeah. You know, opening, uh, expanding, but yeah. kind of from my perspective of it was, it seemed like he wasn't open to new, my new ideas to come in and I rightfully so, right. It worked really well for him. Yeah. I was doing millions of dollars a year and it worked well for him, his method, but when I wanted more ownership and I wanted more, he wasn't ready to let go at the time. So, Sounds so but, familiar. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but honestly, it was like, <laughs> bet, right? <laughs> but honestly, at the same time, it was a blessing because it, it really was never for me. Like I would leave the dealer every day, just not excited. Like I was working weekends, Saturdays, Sundays. Uh, I remember I'd have to work every Thanksgiving and like those little things started adding up. I'm like, you know, like, I don't know if this is for me anyways. So it was kind of good that that happened. And, um, you know, I just, when I was feeling, when I fill out like credit applications, right? If you bought a car, you got to, you know, what's your job, how much you make, mm -hmm. you know, what's your credit, et cetera. And I would fill these out and like the people that were buying the Mercedes Benz, the BMWs, yeah. they always had real estate on their freaking application. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So little by little, I started learning. I'm like, I think there's something here. And my dad had bought some like commercial properties throughout the years. So I knew that there was something there, but he never... He didn't really like do it as a profession. He just like make some money by like a eight unit building, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so I'm like, I knew there's something there. And I'm just like, this is, this is, this is where I want to go. And I just started listening to podcasts, stuff like this, how to buy real estate, no money down. And that's what led me into wholesaling and stuff. And my transition was literally 
probably something that like probably something I would not suggest. It was cold turkey. I just said, yeah. hey, I had a conversation with him. Hey, this is, you know, I appreciate everything. This is like just not for me. And like, um, and I, I just quit without doing my first deal, without knowing. I just like I believed in like the next step so much. I'm like cold turkey, and I just left. I didn't leave him hanging, you know. Like yeah, I stayed, yeah, I stuck yeah. around or whatever to help, but um. I didn't have that much of an important job at that point anyway. So um, I just left and started doing my own thing. So yeah, you, well, you were kind of like, you knew that, I get, did you know that as long as, if you were to go into it, then you would figure it out somehow because of how it had worked with your family business? I guess I had I mean? like, I was 20, 21 years old. I guess it was a combination of that. I had like the confidence. I'm like, okay, I've seen my dad like come from Cuba with nothing, work at McDonald's and now build this. So I could probably do this too, but I would say that like, it was a, it was a combination of confidence and I was so young and naive, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. that. I just like, what's the risk? Like yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. already living with my mom anyways. I mean, <laughs> how bad can it get? Exactly. I already don't have that much money. So, I mean, if yeah, I fail, yeah. it's not too bad. Exactly. <laughs> and you have a long time to recover. Like if, right. you know, that's why I'm, I'm very, uh, you know, I'm very conscious to have people that are kind of a later stage in life. You know, investing a lot of stuff, a lot in something that's very risky. Yeah. And then if you lose it all, you don't have much time to recover. But when you're very young, when you're 20, they say, okay, well, I lose it all. And all is not that much. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was in a similar situation to when I bought my first apartment building. I was oh, really? 18. I had no money. I was like, what, what could be, what could be worse? <laughs> I, yeah. I make, I have nothing or I end up with nothing. So, uh, <laughs> so I decided to uh, yeah. go for it, man. Oh, that's awesome. So you didn't have any any mentorship. I mean, you just basically did uh, like look at listen to podcasts and stuff like that, and kind of like trained yourself. How did you choose to have that particular um, that particular investment, like the first deal? How did you find it? Why did you pick that deal over all? There's millions of ways to make money yeah. in real estate. Why didn't you become a real estate agent? Why didn't you? Ask someone that one of the guys that you sold a car to and say, hey, I'm going to give you a $2,000 discount if you help teach me how to make money in real estate. Yeah. So what happened was I started looking up uh, podcasts, YouTube videos, like a lot of us do. And I came across um, uh, Sean Terry, mm -hmm. To Freedom, yep. that whole thing, which, uh, you know, I feel like he's got a lot of people started, which is crazy. Um, but at the same time, my stepdad had just fixed and flipped his like first or second property. And I asked him, I'm like, oh, tell me more. I'm like learning about this. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, I bought it from a wholesaler. And then I fixed it. And I flipped it. Wait, back up. You bought it from a what? Wholesale. I'm like, tell me, what is this person? He's like, oh, he finds a deal and he sells it to us. So I'm like, he's like, oh, the, this is the guy who sold to me. His name is Jim. And he gave me his phone number. I'm like, cool. So I called him up. I'm like, hey, man, um, how, do you, how do you do this? I want to do it. He's like, I'll teach you, dude, but it's going to be $5,000. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I've, hit, I've hit a crossroad. So... Um, <laughs> Then um, uh, I told Ariel, and he's like, Ariel's my stepdad. And he's like, hey, um, I'll help you out. I'll give you half. I didn't have any money at that time because right before that, I had bought that property that I put there. It was a $61,000 condo in here in Miami. And I'll tell you how I found that deal. But basically, I, I got Jim. Yep. I convinced him to let me pay half and half. And uh, so I paid him half. I borrowed the half. And then I ended up paying Ariel back and all that. And so that mentor helped me really get started doing deals on the MLS. So that's actually how I started. I started mm -hmm. just making a bunch of offers on the MLS at the time. This was wow. like 2013. Yeah. So there was a lot of foreclosures, short sales. And he just taught me how to like make an offer quickly, determine value quickly, and then like talk to agents and get the deal done. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that's pretty much like how I got started from like zero. I kind of like found him. But at the same time, I was like sending text messages to people on GoSection8.com to try and like, you know, yeah. uh, buy their house and and then my stepdad brought me the deal of the first apartment I brought. He said, hey, this guy's selling three. I'm going to buy one. Uh, my mom is get, uh, wanted to buy one. And he's like, look, there's one left for you. So I'm like, I scraped up all the cash I had. And I borrowed like 20K um, in like a hard money, 15% just to mm -hmm. close the deal. And that, that's how that's how it kind of all progressed at the same time. Wow. And then you got uh, the con. So that's the nice thing because uh, Ariel had basically the contractors and all that. Or was he a contractor himself? Or no, he was just starting a fix and flip. He was actually okay. working at uh, uh, American Airlines and he was just doing it on the side. Oh, wow. And so he was learning the business, but um, he had some people, yeah, that he was okay. like just starting to work with, and that it helped definitely. 
How many deals did he did he do before you kind of like when you kind of got the idea from him? How many how many flips did he do? I think that was his first or second flip oh, that wow. he was doing. Okay. Yeah, so it was. <laughs> so yeah. he's still learning. He's still like, learning. Yeah. Oh wow, that's that's cool. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah, it was um, it was good timing because I was like literally going all in in this thing, and then he was learning as well. But at the same time, like he was already buying from a wholesaler because he was going to like real estate meetups, and so he found this wholesaler that got him the deal. So like everything kind of clicked. Yeah, I mean, it, it took me three months to get my first deal, um, my first wholesale deal. Yeah. And just making offers on the MLS and and doing and texting on Go Section Eight and that was that was pretty much the transition. It was it was pretty interesting at the time. Wow. The reason I had no money to pay for the five thousand dollar mentorship was because yeah. I had saved up forty grand from working since I was sixteen till yeah. like 20, 21. Yeah. I was a good saver. I would live with my mom. I, you know, I, I I had nothing else to spend money on. So I saved up forty grand, and this apartment was sixty one. Uh-huh. So then I put all the forty, and then I borrowed the twenty one from yeah, yeah, yeah. hard money at fifteen percent interest. Then I had like literally zero money, yeah. and then uh, then I started getting into wholesale. This this first property oh, at I bought, the same time. Oh, so you didn't so you didn't you didn't wait for it to to sell it. No, you basically, kind of went on and said it was okay, actually a rental. The same. Okay, yeah, I actually bought it as a rental. The sixty oh, you did. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, it was sixty one thousand dollar apartment, and it rented for like eight hundred a month or okay. eight hundred fifty. Oh wow! Okay. And it was in a good area that I was like familiar with, so I actually. Didn't know if it was a good deal or not. I just said, oh, my stepdad's buying one. My mom's buying one. Screw it. I'll, I'll buy one too. Like, whatever. Uh, like, follow the leader. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that's that's kind of how, how it started. Okay. And in that same, during that same time, well, when she had that rental, then you said, okay, well, let's let's do some some wholesaling deal and stuff like yeah. that and Section 8 and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Okay. Okay. So how did you find, so a lot of people, yeah, they, they can find deals and stuff like that. That's one component of it. Um, and when we talked about that uh, the other day too, about kind of like how you know, I, when I learned about wholesaling, it kind of blew my mind because I was just like, "What? You can actually do that? You can actually buy, put it under contract, and then yeah. sell it to someone else, and reassign it to someone else, and make money doing that?" So that was that was pretty amazing. But the other component, so finding the deal is one, the deal is one thing, but then kind of like finding the buyer for that deal. So how did you find the buyers? How did you net? Oh yeah. So I'll give you the story of the first deal because um, I think it's like a picture-perfect example of someone who knew nothing what he was doing, like me, and kind of getting lucky but being at the right place at the right time by taking the right actions. So what happened was the first deal I got was a wholesale deal I got. I was, like I was saying, I was texting people. And then I got a hold of a property manager. He's like, yeah, um, you know, I think, you know, the landlord that I work for, he would want to sell it. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, how much? He's like, I don't know. Just send send your best offer. So I did some, I looked on Zillow. I saw that it was the estimate was 120. So I made him an offer for 60. And um, <laughs> that's what I did. Literally. Like, and this was my Is that what Jim taught you how to evaluate the deal? <laughs> yeah, literally. So um then I I so I sent him the contract. He's like, no, no, I, I need it in physically. I'm like, you know, how? He's like, well, just send it by fax. So this is a oh, 2013 wow. fax deal. Could you do that? So I, I had to like freaking dust up my little fax machine in my mom's house. I like put it, you plugged had it a in. with a fax machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. It, it wasn't functional, but I got it to be functional. <laughs> so I sent it. the record player. <laughs> <laughs> Next to the VHS. Yeah. So I, I faxed him the deal. And like an hour later, he faxed me back the contract at 61. So he scratched it up, put 61. So whatever, I initialed it. Fine. We agreed wow. at 61. I'm like, all right, this is cool. So, all right, now it's time to sell it. Let's find a buyer. And I listened to, I can't remember the name of this this lady. She had like a, a an online course, man, I can't remember, out of Tampa, teaching you how to find cash buyers using public records. Mm-hmm. So okay, yeah. I I found this on YouTube or something. And so this is what I did. I, I went on Zillow. I looked at the yellow dots near my house, right? I typed in my address, all the yellow dots. Click, click, click. And I would see some that looked beat up, but that sold for more than what I have it for. Mm-hmm. So I had it for 61. Then I saw one pretty close that sold for 75. And based on the picture on Zillow, it looked kind of beat up. So I, I put it in the public records in Miami-Dade County mm-hmm. record. And I found the owner. It was an LLC. Yeah. So what I did was I just Googled that. And it ended up being a law office. Um, it said like something, something law offices. So I Googled it and a phone number came out. I'm like, all right, let me call. So I called. Oh, my God. And then... I called and 
His name was Zachary, and um, he answered like an attorney. And to this day, I can never get an attorney to answer the damn phone. So <laughs> I, this is why I know it was a little bit of luck here. So I call. He answered the phone, Zachary. I'm like, hey, I see you guys bought a deal here. Like, I have one. I'm selling. Are you interested? He said, oh, yeah, let me get my partner on the phone. So he got his partner on the phone on a three-way right there. And basically right then and there, he asked me about the property, and we agreed for a $6,000 assignment fee. And that's how I found my buyer to do the first deal, first wholesale deal. And what's crazy is that I knew that there was something there because of how quickly they made a decision. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. It was my first deal. Yeah. But like intuitively, I'm like, these people are like, I don't know, they know what they're doing. So I took the time to go meet them in their office and they ended up buying like maybe 50 properties off of oh, me wow. within the next two years. So it was a very like lucrative relationship that came from a freaking Zillow fucking Google phone call. They, you know? What were these lawyers doing with the properties? Yeah, yeah. They were renting them. They were renting oh, them. Really? Yeah. Rentals. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was the financier, the attorney. And then his That's why he answered the phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh -oh. His his partner <laughs> there's, some, there's something there. His partner was like the property manager, but he was also like uh he had a percentage in the in the yeah. deals. So um that was pretty cool. That, that was like the way that you know I found it really. Well, yeah, I mean if you can can find a buyer like that that just like is gonna go and swallow up like you know 50 deals or something yeah. like that, then yeah, that's that's pretty cool. It was it was like that's what I'm saying, it was like a little luck, but at the same time I was trying like uh, you know i had quit my other job so i was like doing 40 50 60 hours a week trying to watching youtube podcasts and actually like applying the stuff yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah i think i got a little lucky but at the same time like if i never made that call i never saw that video i never applied it it would have never well, happened well exactly i mean yeah. the thing is that if, if you would have continued to make making more calls oh, like yeah. if you had found one one buyer that would buy like one property and you had more properties in the in, right. the, in the pipeline you would have just kept calling oh yeah but, and that's kind of the idea. You just have a long list of buyers, and then they're ready to go. So, oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, man, that's good. So, um, so what? So what did you? So what did you learn? Like uh, from that, and what if people are interested in going into wholesaling? So how how would you recommend, and based on your experience, that they get started? That way, you would do something maybe a little bit differently. Yeah. So. Um, I would do something very similar. Um, it's funny that I got my first deal through text back then and now texting is a lot more popular back then it was yeah. like google voice a free google voice account yeah. Yeah. i would have to you know copy and paste five phone numbers in with commas and then send it i could only do five at a time there's like a little hack there but um honestly if, if you're looking to get into wholesale you have to understand that this is a game of marketing and sales it's not so much of a game of real estate the reason i say that is just to set the expectations straight if somebody's looking to get into wholesale it's absolutely a good business, but I would tell you that it's a business that you must talk to a lot of people and you must reach out to a lot yeah, of people. Yeah. Once you get enough capital, then you can invest in marketing sources that people reach out to you. But in the beginning, typically you're the one kind of like grounding and pounding and, and getting out there. Mm -hmm. So to get in, involved right now, I would say, um, you know, texting or cold calling, door knocking, something like that. Uh, texting has been our best marketing source um, on as of a return on investment thing. Yeah. But um, I know there's a lot of great areas there, so I don't like, yeah. as a business person, I would say, check it out and do your own legal advice. But uh, <laughs> I would say text, cold call, um, and just talk to people. Just start getting talking to people and making offers. Um, yeah. I would keep it that simple. I wouldn't worry about finding the buyers yet. I would literally just go talk to people, make as many offers as you humanly can every day, every week. And once you get a good deal under contract, then you start learning about the buyer side. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, so your uh, Jim, so basically yeah. taught you how to evaluate the deal. So how do you evaluate deals now? Like, the, you um, yeah, good question. <laughs> <laughs> so to evaluate deals, so you, I always try to do it a very. I try to put it very simple at first, mm -hmm. test the seller, and then I go in depth. So a really quick and easy way is literally like that first deal I did. I've kind of kept that principle. If if we're doing a phone call with a seller someone who might be interested in selling, I kind of test them at 50 to 60% of Zillow value. Okay. I just test them. I said, hey, our offer would be somewhere around here and here, 150 to 170. Okay. And if they say, no, never, never, no way, I would, I would want like 350. Then, okay, then you can hang up and go about your day. But the, the reason I say that is I see people in myself, like we invest a lot of time analyzing a deal when they want 350 and our offer would be 172. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just spent eight minutes or 13 minutes when you're starting out yeah. and nothing happens. So I always like to test it with a 50, anywhere between 40 to 60% of Zillow yeah. offer. And then I would um, 
just to test the water and the see water. if they're still yeah. on the phone after that. And then same thing. I look on. I like to look on Zillow a lot and just see the yellow dots and what's selling, what looks the same, mm-hmm. and um, you know, then you can make a an offer based on that. And then after, so you talk on the phone and say, okay, yeah, maybe you know. So they they kind of agree. They're still on the phone when you tell them your offer around like fifty percent of uh, the Zillow value. So do you go then to uh, to that? Do you set up an appointment to visit the house and kind of look at you know repairs yeah. uh, that uh, that are needed and stuff? Or? Um, in, in our business today, no, we do it oh, all no? over the phone. All over the phone. Yeah. Are you doing it local here in Miami, Florida, or? We'll do some deals local here, but um, mainly our marketing is in all of Florida. Okay. okay. About 80% of okay. our marketing's in, you know, statewide Florida, and then 20% in like select, um, select states nationwide. Okay. Okay. But if you're starting out, like if you're looking at this and you're the, you want to do your first deal, I try to do local. Mm-hmm. I know um, some some people probably watching this from LA or yeah. Miami, and it's it is tough markets. However, I th- do think your effort is better well spent in the beginning, going and sitting in kitchen tables across from a seller. Um, For sure, I just think yeah. you have a lot more grip of the system, and then you can do deals on the phone anywhere you want. But try to get that first one in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but today in our business, no, we we do everything over the phone. Have you have you guys ever tried the hybrid model, which is like the text and cold calling, which leads you to an in-person appointment? Have you guys ever tested that out? Yeah, for like I would say probably for nine months or so, we did it here in South Florida. Yeah, um, that would yeah we do texting, cold calling, and then going in-person appointments, and um, yeah, <laughs> I get jitters just thinking about it. Um, it was a lot of driving, a lot of sweating, a lot of smelly kitchens, and. Um, I, I, one day I got so frustrated because so we're going to each rep was going about 10 appointments a week. That was our quota, right? 10 or more. So it was like the 11th appointment of the week. It was Friday. I was driving from like Pompano, which is from here, probably like 45 minutes away. Mm-hmm. Then I had to go to Homestead, which is like oh from Pompano. God. It's like maybe an hour and a half away. Yeah. I, I had gone on 11 appointments. I hadn't gotten a contract signed that week. I was driving on the I-95 in traffic, and I literally like started to get like this anxious breakdown, mm-hmm. um, like just like I don't know what it was. I think it was just like I was so pissed at myself. I don't want to say it was like a breakdown. I was just so pissed at myself. I didn't get a deal. I'm like, and I remember being in my car. I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna go on the appointment, and I'm gonna figure out how to n- not go on an appointment ever again. That was like my little mission. I'm not saying that that's a bad model. Actually, one of yeah. my one of the um, masterminds I'm in, and like the guy who runs it, one of the coaches I really listen to. His model is all appointment. So I actually believe in that model. But yeah. for me personally, I was just like, damn, I, I, I got to figure something out. Because if I don't believe in this, then it's going to be hard for me and my team and me to grow it that way. But it's a good question. I, I think that um, that model works if mm-hmm. yeah. you just have to believe in it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because we because we have a wholesaling company too, but it's completely virtual. Okay, and we started testing out the hybrid model. Yeah, we're on like month one of it, and we have about ten appointments a week between like three or four agents. Okay, so they you can set it up so they don't have to drive so much. It's kind of like this guy handles these three zip codes, this guy this three. Oh, okay, so it's just you know yeah. saves them a ton of time. Yeah, that is good. And uh, we also partnered up with a bunch of realtors too. I don't know if your guys were like on staff or payroll, but. We partnered up with realtors as well. So, hey, oh, really? here's a contract. Go walk the house. If you get it signed for our wholesaling company, we'll pay you a fee. If you, because a lot of the things like you're 50 to 60% Zillow, like there's a ton of people that are like, no, I want an 80 to 90% of this yeah. estimate. Oof, of course. Okay, we'll list it for you. Yeah. Like now we have the ability to like make, no matter what they say, we have the yeah. ability to make money, like making a money generating, revenue generating event. So we, we're testing it out. We're on month one yeah. of like having realtors go, partnering up with them. Hey, here's the deal. It goes rocket offer direction, our wholesaling direction. We get this. You want to list it, you get that kind of fee. So kind of like splitting it up. Yeah, we see how it works. Yeah, no, I, I actually really like that model. And um, I think it, it's very market dependent on like volume and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like the first yeah. year that we did it in South Florida, we had two realtors, uh, not on payroll, but basically like in our office coming every day, like accountability, the whole thing. Yeah. And same thing, right? Like if the appointment was 80, 90% that they wanted, we'd send the realtor. I think the first year we got like 19 listings or something. And I didn't know anything about listings. Like until this day, I don't know anything. I'm not licensed. I'm not a broker. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, to do 19 listings first year when you're like a wholesaler investor was pretty cool. But it was just so many, so much noise. And then that like, that coordination thing you're talking about, like mm-hmm. I felt like we became a coordination company more than a wholesale company. It was like, yeah. yeah. Managing the salesperson's calendar and then this and then 
I was like, damn, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I feel like there's a lot more efficient ways to do this. But yeah, yeah, yeah. but overall, um, yeah, we've, we've kind of tried a couple different things. I like the virtual stuff. But if you're in a local market that there's a lot of volume, I would absolutely have your salespeople, or even if it's your first day, like go out there and yeah, just go on appointments, yeah, yeah. bro. Like just, that's the best way to learn. Yeah, it's yeah. best. Yeah, it's, it's good because you can, you kind of also hear the objections. I mean, if you're new to a wholesaling, kind of like talking to the, yeah. the people, understanding their objections, how to get the deal done and all that. And then once you do a few of those, I mean, you figure out, okay, what's, what's the script here? Well, how do I answer to these, these questions yeah. and all that? And then you can train other people and then you multiply yourself after that. Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. I mean, You'll never learn faster than like sitting face to face, you know, with like husband and wife, you know, across the kitchen table. Both of like them sick. crying because yeah. they're, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're losing their home. The, the food's <laughs> cooking in the background. It's like, it doesn't smell good. Oh, sweaty. The AC stopped working and the house beat up. But uh, <laughs> I have so many stories. I'm sure like if you guys have gone, you probably have so many stories. And, um, but anyways, yeah, it's a, it's a, I think that's the best way to learn. If you're starting out, like go on appointments, like forget closing deals over the phone, you know, like, yeah. Just, just, just go. Have you done any like uh, drive, driving for dollars or something like that, or uh, bandit signs? Mm, when I started out, I tried it, but to be honest, I never really gave it a fair shot. I didn't. Yeah. The only driving for dollars I did was when I used to go on appointments. Yeah. I used to like after the appointment, if I'm driving uh -huh. out and I would see something, I would try and knock, or I would have like little uh, a regular piece of paper, and I'll just write like, "Please call me interested in your yeah. house." Yeah, yeah, that was like the the nature of my driving for dollars, but I never really was. Uh, gave it a fair shot. I know yeah, people yeah. are crushing it and stuff, but uh, uh, wasn't never my thing. To me, it was good because you kind of know the the different neighborhoods. You know, kind of like when you're driving around, you see what oh, there's a lot of renovations yeah. in this house. There's a lot of this going on, so you kind of know then um, kind of like what's going on the neighborhood. If it's an up and coming neighborhood, and also you you can maybe connect with contractors. You can connect with uh, yeah. other people that are doing the renovations themselves and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, no, I thought it was pretty educational to do that. Definitely. And we actually had made like uh, door hangers so that you kind oh, of really? if you knock and then if they're not there, you put something on the on the door handle, you know. And um, yeah, so that was kind of cute. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it never works. It worked. Work. I, I did get a phone call, but it was from some from a guy that. Uh, Told me to stop doing that. <laughs> exactly. That's how it always goes. Yeah, that's how it always. I'm is. gonna sue you <laughs> for what? <laughs> it's funny. Today I was telling a story about when I used to send. We used to send a lot of mail, right? Postcards, you know, some of your house type of thing. And um, one, like I used. To, it's so crazy that we would get so many voicemails of people like, "Stop sending mail." Yeah. yeah. And look, I understand if if you know you're having a bad day or maybe you don't like getting mail in your house, but like. Come on, like Brandsmart, Walmart sends you mail, and you don't, yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. call their hotline. Like, you know, it's so yeah, funny. Yeah, I, exactly, I guess people yeah. find it offensive, but I, I just like would find that so interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really. So you did that first deal, wholesale deal, six k. Did you have a job at the time? Were you working full time, or was this no? At that point, I was you just wholesale. Yeah, you yeah. quit, right? Okay, yeah, I quit. Yeah. So six k. And what'd you do after that? You just dumped it all back into yeah <laughs> systems or yeah. So I had kind of burned a little bit of my credit card trying some direct mail mm -hmm. so i tried i was you know when I, when you're new a lot of times you'd like to try a lot of different things yeah, to see yeah, if something sure. sticks which we did direct mail we spent a lot of money on yeah yeah really <laughs> yeah which i guess as you evolve you start realizing that actually sticking to one or two things is better than doing 10 so yeah. but you know i didn't know so i had like put on my credit card like three grand so with that six thousand i paid that three thousand back and then the with the rest i actually hired a virtual assistant to send more of these text messages for me at the time on Google Voice and stuff. So that's how I reinvested that. And, okay. um, and then I just started hitting the MLS hard. So that virtual assistant would send texts for me and will also send send the contracts out to the agents. Um, okay. So that's like how I kind of distributed that 6K to yeah. keep it moving. And that was kind of like my next question is how do you scale it up to do like one or two deals to, you know, up to like 10 deals a, a month or something like that? So how do you scale that up? Well, it takes a little time, right? Like, it first, I, I I wanted to figure out what my niche was. So, the texting thing wasn't working that much to like get a lot of deals. I only did one, and then I started doing the MLS. So, but once I saw that the MLS volume was good, I did one, then I did two, then three in the month, and then another three in the month, and I got to a month I did four, then one. Yeah. But so, I, but I saw that more things were creeping up on the pipeline. I think that's an important point, right? Because yeah. you tried all kinds of different things. You said, "Well, I did this, I did that, I did that." 
and then you know this is not really working this is this is working better and stuff like that and you kind of like invest more time into that thing right yeah. into that that method texting is working better than direct mail so i'm gonna slow down on the direct mail and then really go double up on the on the texting or whatever, yeah right yeah um yeah in hindsight i guess like my the reason i thought of it was just like i was just getting more feedback quicker through mm -hmm. the mls at that time like i would send an offer and i would get counters in like hours oh yeah like yeah. oh this is closer wow. to a deal than this texting thing i got to text you know 500 people and then and you know, yeah, 100 yeah, answer, yeah, yeah. and then they're all, yeah. so I'm like, this is this is faster. So I'm like, well, screw it, I'm gonna do this. Then I got that thing kind of cranking, and after about nine, ten months in the business, um, was when I realized like I needed some help. Like I was, yeah. I was, ha I was going to have a month that was gonna be six closings. It was by myself. I was, you know, making the offers, you know, talking to the agents, acquiring the deal, finding the buyer, selling it, doing the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Wow. And um, so. You know, that's when I got some, uh, some, I got my cousin and uh, another, you know, one of his friends involved to basically help me out. He was an agent. And that's how I started like scaling up little by little, just like kind of when I really was, I would wake up at seven and finish working, let's say at six or 7 PM. And I still had so much to do. And I'm like, all right, this is, this yeah, is yeah. telling me I need, I need a little help here. Yeah. And I just saw the opportunity. I'm like, crap, I'm not even making offers. I'm making offers on like a 10th of the market and like, I'm so busy. So yeah, what if yeah. I can get somebody to help me make triple the offers? So uh, that's how it started really yeah. scaling up for me. Yeah, but you, you found a formula that worked and then you say, okay, well, let's let's go for it and stuff. Yeah. I also wanna point out, there's a lot of work involved, <laughs> you know, seven <laughs> to seven, you could still, you still have a lot of things that need to be done. That's when you decide to kind of like ramp up your team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was an exciting time, but like, you just don't know, you don't know and like, um, Kind of like ultimately those partnerships didn't work out, but it was really all my fault. I just didn't structure correctly. I wasn't reading, you know, business books or I didn't know anything about compensation plans or this. So, but I, I still encourage anyone, if you're in a point that you have more work than you can handle, mm -hmm. at that point is when it's good time to like start exploring the ideas of growing your team. But yeah. I, I really feel that people should educate themselves a little bit on it just so you don't make mistakes with people or people you love or care about. Yeah. Um, but overall, yeah, that, that was like my little journey mm -hmm. to to get to that place. Yeah, we have a pretty good. Uh, I mean, when we got started, we got started a lot with uh, contractors, so people okay. that would, you know, they would just you work sixty hours, you get paid sixty hours, you work thirty, whatever, and then uh, or sometimes we had like a monthly fixed fixed amount for the employees. Yeah. For yeah, and okay. then eventually, then we kind of like ramped that up into like full time employees and all yeah. that. On the and contractor then, as we side. Learned, yeah, so the, we had so we started with contractors at the beginning, like even VA, like out of out of uh, the country, and then we brought like then we just we started hiring people in the U.S. as employees on W two. Yeah. So and the contractor side feels like even more challenging than. Yeah. So that's <laughs> yeah yeah it was <laughs> it was I mean I was lucky I mean on the. On the financing, uh, financial side, I mean, I had like a, I was trying to find a bookkeeper to uh, help with all the books. You know, we're doing a lot of transactions, and so there's a lot of work involved there. And I had to, I finally found someone in India that is, oh, shit. but is great. You're <laughs> so, lying. Yeah, but yeah. you studied in San, San Diego and all of that, and you just what? had to go back to India. But it, I had to try like four of these people. Yeah. Even though I had written up the whole SOP for entering every single transaction in QuickBooks. And we are having that problem right now. So it's so funny you say that because yeah. literally yesterday I had a medium like, we have an external bookkeeper. At one point I had an internal bookkeeper. That didn't work out. And then and I'm like, this is like my probably fourth or fifth try at this bookkeeping thing. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we're going to need someone like in here, maybe 40 hours a week that like wants to learn this thing because... This is hard. Like, yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. Swear. That's like one of those things that are not there. It's the unsexy part of business. But yeah. if you don't have good books, you can't make a decision. So, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's good that you said this. I actually yeah. want to pick your brain offline about that. Yeah, because, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we I'm can like, help with that. Yeah. I'm in that mess right now. So, yeah. Yeah, because you want to. So that's a good point again, because I think you build your team and that helps you kind of focus on the business, focus on what's important or what's, right. what he's good at. Yeah, exactly. Like right. what you're good at too. Like a lot of entrepreneurs start a company like you did hustling from seven to seven. Then they hire a couple people on and then now they're not doing the shit that started the whole damn thing. Yeah. Now they're doing bookkeeping and HR <laughs> yeah. for God's sakes for like, you know, eight hours of the day. And then two hours when nobody's awake from seven to nine yeah. is when you get, you know, Raul time to do yeah. what like, 
you know, yeah. move the big needle, you know? Yeah, I remember when I first started fixing flips, uh, probably like my th maybe second and a half, third year, I found myself in the morning, it was like 9 a.m. I'm like, crap, I got to enter stuff on QuickBooks. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, mm. I don't know anything about QuickBooks, but I, I knew it was important because you got to yeah. know how much expense. And that's when I started realizing, oh, crap, like I have a real business that needs like financial attention, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, you know, for me, it took me a while to to figure that out. I don't know why, but I guess you know you just learn as you but go. But it's not obvious. <laughs> I mean, accounting, accounting, and uh, bookkeeping is not it's not yeah. obvious. So yeah. I feel like we a lot of us when we when we start or you know when you're really hungry, you feel like you have everything under control. Yeah. But you're like, oh yeah, no, I spent this and I made this, but eh, did you really? There's a lot of things happening yeah, in the exactly, background. Yeah. Like, oh shit, this was on auto draft, and this went out. Wait, how come? How, oh, crap, those checks didn't clear, and I had the money in the account. What happened here? You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you start realizing all these things. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's yeah I think we should stop talking about accounting because I think the <laughs> listeners are like, what the hell? It's live view. So you started, flip, so you did wholesaling for two or three years. Sounds like you started hiring people. Then you started saying, hey, I can start flipping these houses instead of like having all the other people make money. Is that what started happening? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> well, um, I just... I wanted to give it a try. Like I really liked wholesale, and I still do wholesale. Um, Ninety-five percent of the, my exit strategy is wholesale. Okay. So, e even back then, I just I, I'm like, man, I want to give this a try. Like I'm finding these deals; these people are making money. It's great, and I don't mind doing that a bajillion times. But let me try it. Like, why not? You mm -hmm. know. So we already have the deals; we control it. So that was my mindset going in. It was not like I want to convert into a flipper or anything, because I I would see the struggles of the people fixing and flipping mm -hmm. and i would see the type of you know management and stuff you'd have to do with the people it was different than what i was used to you know yeah, yeah. To, to have a big fix and flip team you or someone has got to be out on the field driving to houses and this is everything i was trying to avoid with appointments yeah and on top of that you're going to meet the electrician at nine and he gets there at 10 mm -hmm. you know I, I just i already kind of saw that i'm like this is not what i want but let me try this stuff yeah. and so yeah just you know this is why I'm passionate about like wholesaling and finding deals. Like I got the skill. I got good at that. It took me a while and I messed up a bajillion times. But what happened is you, once you get good at finding deals, yeah. then the money and the exit strategies approach you. Yeah. So what happened was I was finding these deals and just, you know, networking, meeting people. One guy said, hey, I see you find these deals. I want to get into flipping. I got a bunch of money. He had another company. And um, why don't you put the deals? I put the money. And that's how I started flipping, really, because he decided to put the money. I said, okay, let's try it. Yeah. I get to learn without putting my money and make extra money. Let's go. I'm in. So I think anyone watching, like, you know, whether you want to be a flipper or not, learn how to find that deal because then you could either do a flip, wholesale, turnkey, rental, mm -hmm. um, short-term rental, long-term, whatever is your flavor, um, you can do. But finding the deal, like, yeah. it's just so yeah. important there. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's a very good place to get started i mean if yeah. you don't especially if you don't have money it's kind of like getting started on wholesaling then you get to control how you exit the deal at the end so if you want to do like a joint venture like you mentioned or if you want to yeah flip them if you want to turn if they're ready to go and you want to turn them into a rental and refi yeah, exactly. and stuff right. like that you have a lot of different exit strategies and oh, i think that's a good way to do it for sure yeah, yeah that's how i got into it and then obviously you know since i bought my first rental i was like man this is this will be fun to do more rentals so mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know that's kind of your game, so it'll be interesting to, to talk about that if you guys want. But yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So, so that that growing, how do you continue to scale scale your business after that? So, like where you are now, I mean, now you're doing some flips, so that means you're probably gonna start like managing some project construction projects and yeah, different Oof. construction <laughs> crews and all that and property management for the one that you buy and hold yeah so how um so how are you gonna what's the plan here on scaling scaling your business so well good question that's a loaded one but um i always envision myself with the and i think everyone should have do this exercise at some point and it's nothing crazy maybe like a 10 minute sit down by yourself and just kind of envision what Maybe you work from home or maybe you go to an office but if you go into the your home office or if you go into your office what type of people and what type of activities would you want to do? Mm -hmm. And yeah. since I started flipping, I'm like, eh, I kind of don't want to grow this. Since I started buying hold, I'm like, this I kind of like. And then, but wholesaling, I was just still obsessed with. Like, I, I like wholesaling, so I'm like, I see myself scaling wholesale. Yeah. And big team, I, I always wanted office, big team stuff. So 
at first I came up kind of like with that mental picture. Okay, I want to scale wholesale. So I'm not going to scale flips that much. I'm not going to scale long-term rentals for now. I'm not going to scale anything else for now. Let me focus on this thing. Yeah. Because also this machine brings a lot of different exits. So then at that point, I'm like, all right, I got to make offers to get deals. Yeah. I can only make X amount of offers. So if I get more people, it means we can make more offers. That means we can get more deals. So I said, okay, let's get people. And uh, then I started putting Indeed ads and Craigslist and I started hiring people. And ultimately the plan was just how do we get people, train them, get offers, and then train people on the other side. Okay, we need people to sell deals and stuff. So scaling the wholesale team was my plan. And that is still what I'm doing today. And um, yeah, that's what we got going on basically. And then I have a very small team for the long-term rentals and flips. Mm -hmm. And um, and yeah, that was kind of like the nature of the beast. I'm like wholesale first for me personally. And then the rest will kind of sort itself out. So yeah, you're sticking to wholesale because it's something that you really enjoy and gives you the opportunity to have multiple exits. And then that was kind of like, this was your core, your, your the core of your yeah. business and stuff like that. So you don't want to kind of like, oh, yeah, put I, that aside and then let's start something new. Yeah. Right. I always think of like, uh, there's a comedian, Mike Epps. He, um, he's hilarious. So, but one of his bits in uh, some st- a standup he did, he said, uh, in life, everybody gets to pick their problems. Imagine all of us are in a room and everybody gets to drop their problems on the floor. And now it's time to pick them up. What happens if your problems ain't there anymore? And he makes this like funny thing about it. Um, he's always a lot. I'm not, you know. But uh, anyways, so I always, I thought about that. I'm like, okay, I prefer to have wholesale problems. Like to think of having, let's say, 35 fix and flips going on at a time. That is not something that would excite me to go solve. Yeah, yeah. You understand? Mm-hmm. So I think everyone's got to come up with that. What excites you to go solve, you know? And I'd rather solve the problem of having 30 sales agents trying to do wholesale deals and managing and accountability, I'd rather solve that problem. So in the sense of like, this is what I have to do first. Mm-hmm. And then any, and then let's figure out how to scale that. Okay, now I have to learn management skills, leadership skills, recruiting. Okay, I got to learn, um, you know, how to run an accurate, run a good meeting, how to reporting, all these things. So um, that that's pretty much like, <laughs> that's the world. Like that's the world that I think that anyone should try to attack the one that you want to solve the problems for. Yeah, it's, it's freaking crazy. You think that people, you think that people are kind of like um, they have this imaginary concept that having a business and stuff like that, and <laughs> they look at you, you make it look so easy. Yeah, all the work that you're doing, you're probably making money right now. Uh, <laughs> so they look at they look at you and they say, "Well, you know, this is easy. I can I can do that." And um, but there are problems even if uh, you know you're running a business you're dealing with people you're dealing with a lot of people and the more right. deals that you do the more people you have to deal with so so yeah so there's there are problems that need to be to be solved this difficult discussions that you have to have and stuff yeah. like that right so so how do you how would you tell people that want to get into the business they think that oh it's so easy but at the same time don't you know, don't do, go too far and say, "Oh, yeah, never mind. I'm never yeah. going to do this business." But there are problems, and you you can you can solve them. And uh, yeah, I mean, I would say go until where you can see. When you get there, you'll see further. So start with getting that first deal, right? Start with do, making that first text message or making that first cold call, first door knock, and then once you get that first deal, get that first check, then you can start thinking about more. But um, what I tell somebody is, yeah, just just baby steps your way. And also think of your why. Think of why the hell you even want to do this. Why don't you just go and find a high-paying job better? You know? yeah, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, literally. like no. We all employ high-paying people. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and you just have to really think about why would I want to take on a certain amount of headaches in yeah. whatever business you want? And what are you doing it for? And then just take baby steps. What's that first thing you got to do? Go do it. Then do the next one. Then do the next one. Then do the next one. And then... Um, a lot of reading, a lot of educating, a lot of being around smart people, a lot of uh, mentorship, coaching, you know, whatever you believe in, podcasts, YouTube, whatever. Um, I would I would tell people that, I mean, that has to attribute probably, if not 80% of my success, something really close mm-hmm. because we can't figure this all out by ourselves, right? And yeah. someone's probably laid out the path we're all trying to achieve, whether it's wholesale, flips, rentals, turnkey, like someone's kind of done it, right? Maybe you're doing it a little different. Maybe you have your own spin to it, but... Someone solved these problems and go go and talk to these people, right? A lot of so a lot of times they're approachable if you go to the right events, yeah. if you go to meetups. So, man, I would tell people take the first step. When you get there, you'll see further, and be around smart people. Learn what the next steps are. Like learn what mistakes people have made. Read, educate yourself, and just keep 
keep going, keep trucking along little, little by little, little by little. Mm. And, um, you know, at some point you're going to be like, crap, I've done more than I thought. Mm. And now all of a sudden you just got to take a, another, another step to do a little bit more than you thought again. Yeah. And then it compounds like that. So. so what do you think like critical skills or skills that are essential for someone to, to go into uh, wholesaling? Oh, good question. Um, communication skills. So if you're not the best communicator, that's okay. Um, I was not, a lot of people that started on my team are not, but you have to have the eagerness to learn. But communication is a skill. When I say communication, it's like not being completely oblivious to another human being on the other side of the phone and the other side of the table in the sense yeah. of like, you have to understand and be emotional with these people empathy. sometimes. Empathy is yeah. exactly so. When I say communication, it's kind of like yeah, a big yeah, realm, yeah. but empathy, you know, reading them, you know, don't throw out an offer right now. Wait till this is, wait till they stop talking, let them talk, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, because that kind of falls into sales. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Marketing, obviously. And um, I think one of the skills that is not talked about too much is, is um, coachability. Like, Actually, yeah. be, having the will to learn, because mm-hmm. um, wholesale things are adapting all the time. Like yeah. the marketing method we're doing today was not the one we're doing a year right. ago, yeah. and it's so weird because I don't know. Yeah, you have to be adaptable. And now we're you know potentially heading into a recession, so yeah. the deals are changing, the all of that. So you have to be adaptable yeah. and then be willing to change your process, be able to change your yeah. your offer and how you do business. Like Bruce Lee, the flow like water. Flow like water. That's, that's a, and that's a skill I think people got to learn. Like some people just yeah. don't have the skill of learning shit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. So how many wholesale deals is your company doing now and how many people do you have? So um, good question. So we got, we're doing about, I would say seven to 10 closed wholesale deals a month. And, um, and then we're doing some other fix and flips and long terms and short terms, cool. but in the wholesale side that, and then we have a total of probably 18 to 20 people now kind of uh, fluctuates uh, because we have people coming in and out Yeah, and uh, all uh, in the, in the U S or you have some virtual. So we have in, in the U S we have our sales team okay. and in that sales team, we have some juniors and seniors. Mm-hmm. And these are all commission only people, commission based. Everyone. Okay. Wow. wow. Yeah. No salary. No salary. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then, so it's a little interesting of a structure we have. That's why we have so many people. But um, I kind of took the idea from brokerages. I see how brokerages turned into $100 million monstrosities. And it wasn't from, you know, employing salary based yeah. um, realtors. It was like growing this, this team. That. I know that's why I asked. <laughs> yeah, it was like growing this team. So, um, kind of, kind of what it looks like for our American team is we got juniors, we got seniors, we have a full time recruiter that all he does is bring in new salespeople every week, and then we have a COO and um, a dispo person, mm-hmm. and myself. That's our. And that's, then the, what are the people overseas doing? They do dispo and admin. Okay. So they kind of okay, help admin with, stuff. Okay, yeah, cool. right, kind of help yeah. with Dispo and admin uh, overseas. Yeah. Yeah, because Dispo doesn't need much of a sale. The product sells itself. Yeah. For the most part. No, and I'm, I'm happy you said that because I've I've had that <laughs> that discussion with people. They're like, you need a good salesperson for Dispo. I'm like, not really. You need a really good operator for Dispo because it's yeah. more mechanical in nature. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the buyer's gonna tell you, no, the price is 120. So yeah, exactly. You, you could be freaking, you know, doesn't matter. You could be Grant Cardone's time. mentor, and you're not gonna sell that deal at 150. Yeah, yeah. It's just not gonna happen. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because like for us too, like we buy from a whole lot of wholesalers, which is why we started our own wholesaling company. It's nice. like even our own wholesaling company sends us deals, and we're like, dude, I don't care who's talking right <laughs> now, but like it's not gonna work. Like, yeah, yeah. My spreadsheet is telling, giving me three green lights at this price. That's the damn price, you know. <laughs> That's so, the price. Yeah. So you have a good team. Oh, yeah. uh, so how do you build that, you know, A-class kind of like team that is going to be, you know, I'm not kind of dreaming here, but self-managed, self-driven that are going to exceed all your yeah. your expectations? How do you how do you build that? So I have a kind of weird answer for that. Um, I, I, I like weird. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the reason we set it up that way is I let it build itself. What do I mean by that? The reason that I have such a big team, because there are teams that are five people doing the same revenue that we are. Yep. However, the reason I did that is that when you put so many people to compete in a space, you don't have to do that much micromanaging. Hey, Billy, you're off. He's on. You're not getting any leads today. He is. 
That's all we got to do. And then the team builds itself because mm-hmm. now the winners win. And the more people you fill into this funnel, it will bring in more winners. And that was my philosophy of growing the team. I'm like, let's grow the team. We're not going to have to like micromanage this thing. Let's just put people to compete. I mean, it will give everyone a fair chance and all this stuff. And, um, let the winners win, bro. That's, mm-hmm. that's my philosophy with it. Wow. And I know it's a little bit kind of cutthroat and stuff. And, um, <laughs> turns the heat on and the yeah. <laughs> but I, I I genuinely think that we are helping the winners win faster mm-hmm. in that environment. Yeah. Then if you're getting paid a salary, not that paying people's salaries bad or anything, but if you just kind of think of the philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. If you're if you're kind of giving people the comfort instead of putting them in a room with ten other people who want that job or who want that lead, I don't know who yeah. who do you bank yeah, on, yeah. you know. So that was kind of like my philosophy around building the team that self-sustains and stuff. You always have to have some good apples, always. So it took me a while to build like the core four or five sales guys that these people aren't going anywhere. Like they're great. We train them up. And these are our core that these people are always going to keep our revenue the same or grow 10, 20% every year. These are the guys. But now this whole world, this whole recruiting thing, these are the people we're trying to play, you know, put another good player into this field. We're trying to put another player into this field. And then that world kind of like sustains itself and it's a really cool um, yeah. thing to see. And how's the like commission structure? Can you talk about that? Like yeah, yeah. how you have it set up? So um, so like if you're brand new and you're coming to work with us, it's 15% commission. But then you have the ability to make a 30% commission if you get a referral. 15 on the assignment fee or 15 on... Yeah, yeah. on the assignment fee. That's right. Um, 15% on the assignment fee and then you can make 30, up to 40% commission if you get a referral deal. So... Um, but really most people just call our leads and 15%. Then like the the senior guys, like the people who are getting the paid leads, the people who are getting the best leads of the company, they get um, anywhere from 12 to 14%. Gotcha. Okay. And then if they help them close a the deal, they also get a percentage and stuff like that. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. So it is kind of like a brokerage where it's... Uh, yeah. Well, I was thinking too, like you were in, you know, car sales, auto sales too. Yeah. Like, I don't know if, I don't know how that's structured, but I'm assuming it's very high, very low salary, very high commission-based job exactly right. as well. Yeah, you know? that's exactly right. Where you have like, like a seniors and juniors. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I kind of got that edge. Maybe that's why I like the models because I was kind of yeah. liked it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. It's in, uh, so far it's been working mm-hmm. yeah. as far as like ROI perspective. I see it as like a marketing play as well. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to share numbers if, if you want, but. Yeah, how's uh, the, how's the, uni- you said full-time recruiter. Yeah. So I'm assuming you have a super high turnover. Like is the average right. person stay like guy or girl stay for like three months and they're out of there? Oof. No, way sooner than that. Really? Oh, yeah. But yeah, I guess you kind of figure it out very quickly. Say, oh, I'm not cut for this. Yeah, exactly. no, first week. Yeah. yeah, so imagine. So I'll give you numbers of last quarter. So last quarter we hired 31 people. Oh, my God. And guess how many stayed for, for six, two months or more? Two. Two. Oh, wow. But these two made us $81,000 in three months. Wow. Profit. Wow. And it costs us 15K, the whole recruiting. Yeah, thing. recruiting costs, yeah. Right. Yeah, the, uh, our salary for a recruiter is about three grand a month. Okay. And plus ads and, all you know, systems and stuff was about 5K a month. So um, I see it. All right. You know, obviously I'm from the top at this point. I, I'm very involved, but I don't have to, like, deal with the in and out yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah. I have, yeah. you know, we have systems in place. But from an ROI perspective, shit, if you spend 15 and make yeah. 81 Let's do this again. Like, yeah, how do we yeah, grow? Exactly, yeah. So now this quarter, our goal is to, to um, hire 50 people and get more. You know, we're always working on retention and training and yeah. how do we get people more deals quicker? Obviously, yeah. we don't, like, just let them die because that's not good for anybody. But yeah. uh, at the same time, you know, the winners stood out, bro, and, and they did deals. And if they could do it, the next two, the next five could do it. Um, yeah, yeah. And they pulled them out of our database, like, the new people that oh, come really? in yeah. are only calling follow-up leads. They don't get any new leads. Wow. Isn't that crazy? So this is all like new revenue that we didn't pay for. Wow. So it's yeah, even, so no lead cost. Yeah. No lead, so it's a... Well, that's the thing. Yeah, we have also a lot of like contacts and things like that that have purchased from us in the past, but we haven't, you know, we, we may not have followed up yeah. as frequently as we it, thought. Because yeah. what I found was that for the good salespeople... Yeah, maybe you get one or two that like is diligent on it. But what I found was like the good salespeople just hate to do long term follow ups. Yeah. And I did yeah. too. Like I, I didn't like. You know, I well, they're think- hun- yeah, they kind of like the we just call them like hunters and farmers. Right. It was like there was some salespeople. They were just hunters. They just go kill. Yeah. And then that's it. After they turn over, then they don't care. 
And then you had the farmers that would grow the account, build a relationship, and they would still sell a lot, but they would sell over the next five, 10 years and yeah. sell more options, sell more homes and stuff like that. Just like right. different mentality. Yeah. And so I'm like, man, if these people could just follow up on them. Mm-hmm. And then what we do is that like, if we see someone good, right, they, they start third day, you hear them on the phone, they're there early, leaving late. Mm-hmm. We might just start kind of like nudging this person and like, Give them a little bit special treatment because they deserve it. Yeah, yeah. And we'll start giving them a lead here or there. Yeah, I was wondering um, about that because yeah. there are some people that are kind of like on the edge. Right. And they say, and you know, yeah, you, with a little bit of encouragement, say, yeah, you're on the right track. Don't right. get discouraged. Yeah. And then you yeah. Know, stay with bit, it. You're going to get there. Or a little bit of different training. Yeah. yeah. And right. like this right. object, hey, yeah, this yeah, objection, yeah. you said this, like change it up to this, you know? Yeah. I like to try to take me and my uh, CEO, which we try and like, give some special treatment to the people who are showing special treatment to the company, right? Like yeah. if you're showing up early, you're showing leadership tendencies, yeah. you're calling the leads, you're hitting all your numbers. Well, you deserve a little, you, you treated us special. We're going to treat you a little special. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so either we take you to lunch or maybe we pull you aside for 15 minutes and just talk to you and, you know, things like that. And yeah. unfortunately it's kind of like, I don't want to say, you know, un, unfair, or unbiased treatment, but honestly in the sales world, like the people who are standing out you got to feed the hot hand, you know? Yeah, yeah. If Steph Curry's shooting 67%, yeah. you're not going to give it to Clay. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> give it to Steph, bro. Clay, I'm sorry, but this guy, you know, even if you get to 40%, we're winning by 30 points. So that's how I see the, that, that sales team. Yeah. And it, are all these people that you're hiring coming to one central location? Yeah. Okay. And location. you're having an office. So is, are you thinking too, like, office space-wise? Yeah. Like, now you got to think, like, all right, because, all right, Let's say if you wanted to really scale it up, like you're hiring thirty people per quarter, right? Yeah, right. Now you want to hi- scale that to like a hundred. Right. Now, do you have to be like, damn, I gotta like get a new office to like have all of this ups and downs of you know ebbs and flows of the yeah. total employee count? In the yeah, so that that is on my mind, and, and that's a really good point. Um, yeah, so in our office, we could really only fit probably like twenty salespeople comfortably. Now we're having people like in the conference room. It's a little uncomfortable. We're doing two things to combat that because yes, if if I wanted to leave everything the same, no. you know, pretty soon we're gonna need a bigger space, but that's more rent and that's more overhead and more desks I gotta buy. And exactly. so what I'm doing is we're just being stricter on the standards faster. And um, and honestly, I I wish I could have I wish I would have done this uh, before because I don't want to waste anybody's time. Right? It's a commission based job. That's hard enough. But I don't want to let you sit in the office for a month knowing that you're not going to get a deal. Let's be real, right? You didn't hit your numbers, yeah. you know, you don't get it, whatever. So, like, we're trying to cut people or have them leave on their own. When I say cut in a nice way, obviously, like, hey, I don't think it's a good fit. So, okay, some people are like, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> My car doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get in the building let me, today. Let me send an email. No. Oh, what? <laughs> no, like, nicely have a conversation. Like, hey, I don't know if this. So, what we're doing is that we're trying to... Sh- we made our standards a little bit more strict. So we still want to hire 30 or 50 yeah. or 100, but people will leave sooner so we can kind of maintain the best 20, the best 25 yeah. at all times. How does the onboarding work on that? Because yeah, now you have 30 people showing up in the yeah. office. So do you have like trainers and stuff like that? Or how long is the training and how yeah. does that work? That's, that's a good question. And um, it's, it's still messy. I'm not going to lie. Like we, we, we've been doing this probably for nine months, this, this model. And, um, you know, I, I think onboarding is one of those things that's so freaking hard to dial in like a hundred percent. But anyways, our, our method, what it is, is so our recruiter, he's responsible for the first seven days of these humans mm-hmm. when they come in. Yeah. Humans. So these <laughs> specimens, I remember one time I was signing a closing doc and it said specimen signature. I'm like, specimen signature. <laughs> that's always stuck with me. But, um, so he's responsible for the first seven days and he's compensated for it. So like if they stay for seven days, he gets a bonus. So he wants them to stay, but he's also responsible for them to be trained and for them to hit their numbers. So when they come in from day one, he um, he has like a meeting with them. They all start on Mondays in the morning at the same time. So he has like a little meeting. Here's what's going to happen. Here's a handbook. You know, learn this, learn that. And then they they instantly grab a buddy. He assigns them to a buddy. So if another people, training buddy or somebody that actually has experience. Yeah, yeah someone that has experience. Okay. okay. Yeah. So they sit next to them for, I want to say maybe one to two hours, just sitting next to them, watching them work the CRM, dial, talk to leads, go through the script, the whole thing. And then after those two hours, a little meeting, hey, any questions? No? Okay, now it's time for you to get on the phones. Okay. Oh. 
And on day one? On day one. On day one. Yeah. Wow. Because remember the method I was taking, like, I want them out yeah. or yeah. in soon. Like, I either want them super bought into our company and what we do, or I want them to leave peacefully on their own, you know? I prefer yeah. not to fire. Like, we yeah. actually don't fire that many people. A lot of people just leave when it's yeah. like, hey, you didn't get here on time. If we tell me. you that three times, oh, and you didn't hit your contacts, and you didn't do enough dials. If we tell you that three times, like, hey, yeah, yeah. You, know, do you, you sure you want to come back tomorrow? I'm yeah, going to yeah. tell you again. So, um, anyways, so they sit, and yeah, day one, they do that. But how it works is that there's a training in the morning and a training in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And then also the recruiter, he's kind of like walking around all day, making sure that they have yeah. all the resources they need to like do what they got to do. Damn. So and you the, monitor their activities and make sure that they do the calls. They correct. Do okay. Yeah, daily. Like they, we use a mojo dialer. So the mojo dialer, like it, it monitors it for us. So we yeah. just get that report and see like, okay, the, the standard is 100. He did 80. Okay, we're going to have to talk to him. Got it. These people did 100. So like yeah. that. Is it a single dialer or auto dialer? Uh, triple dialer. Yes. Yeah, so uh, and the goal is 100 per person per day? The goal is we do it by contact. So the goal is 40 contacts a day because we used to do dials and we used to do talk time. I still think talk time is very important, but we just started seeing like, I think the more people they contact, the more success they can have. Got it. So, um, so they need to talk to 40 people a day. Yeah. Okay. 40 of people that were... You know, in the who they said they were, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Confirmed yeah. contacts. Confirmed contacts, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which is still, like, a little messy in itself. But overall, like, it works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. What do you use in terms of systems? Do you use, uh, like, CRM or... And what CRM is that? Yeah, so we use Mojo for dialing. Mm -hmm. And this is mainly... Everyone in the company has access to a Mojo. Even our our um, uh, senior salespeople. Okay. So, like... Uh, so, yeah, Mojo. We use Mojo for dialing. We use Salesforce for okay. CRM. Yeah. And then we use Google Sheets for some stuff. And HelloSign for contracts. Okay, yeah. Good. I think that's it. You guys use Zapier to connect all those? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, correct. Zapier yeah, yeah. to connect um, some, some yeah. integrations and stuff. Okay. There might be some other little ones I'm thinking about, but yeah, I'll say yeah. those are like the main ones. One, yeah. Yeah. What about your COO? How did you find your COO? And, you know, Are they your best salesperson? <laughs> yeah. No, well... So funny. Um, so Lewis is my COO. I we were friend, we were acquaintances in high school. He was a lot cooler than me. He played baseball, <laughs> and I, I never made it to the team. But so um, but we were acquaintances. We hung out, and then when we as we got older, um, you know, after college and stuff, we had a lot of mutual friends. So we did like a, a Euro trip together, right? With a couple boys, we went to um, uh, where did we go? We went to Mykonos, Portugal, whatever. We did like a oh, Euro nice. trip. Yeah. So we got close and. And Lewis had just finished law school. Like, he became an attorney. And um, I had a falling out with my previous, you know, general manager, let's say. Mm -hmm. So I was alone. I was alone. I was, I was working. It was fine. But, you know, I, I'm always that person that I, I like to, you know, have do this and, and bounce off ideas and, like, hey, you go crush this and let me go crush that and let's do it together, things like that. So I've always been that guy. And um, – Lewis called me one day. He's like, man, I'm like, I'm working for this venture firm, like doing legal work. And I really don't like it. I'm, I'm putting in my two weeks notice and I'm going to see what other firm I work for or something like that. She's like, oh, like in these two weeks, like, can I just come hang out in the office? Like I, I need to get some work done, whatever. So he came, hung out, kind of just was a fly on the wall. Yeah. And um, after two weeks, um, he sent me an email with like a PowerPoint presentation of like how to grow the business or something. So oh my then God. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And I'm like, Lewis, like, we're friends. I don't. I don't know if I want to work with a friend. So he made a contract. He was an attorney, right? So he made a freaking contract. I'm like Lewis, I'm not gonna. It was like ten pages. I'm like, I'm not gonna read this. So he's like, okay, fine. And the next day he sent me a one pager. I'm like, all right, this I'll read. So I read it. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, it was like a three month agreement. And like, if he hits this and I hit this, like, then we could say. And yeah, that's kind of how I found the CEO. And damn, you know how how it worked was the CEO found you basically. Yeah, basically, which which was pretty cool and. What I liked about it was that he didn't come with the mindset of like, I'm starting at the top. No, like he did sales. He made offers on the MLS. He got, he did cold calling for like two months. He did say like, he went in person appointments Then he did dispositions. Like it what? took him like oh my months. God. And, um, which wow. I think is like how any COO should kind of like be in, in your business. You like know they, everything. They, they got to yeah. know a little bit of everything. They don't have to be like masters, but they got to know. Yeah. So that's how I found them. Yeah. Uh, wow. Wow. It's been interesting ever since, you know. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. And it's tough to find good partners and to keep yeah, the relationship. Yeah, but uh yeah. um it's worked so far. It's been uh 
four years working together and, and it's been good. Yeah. Where do you see yourself going? What's next? Keep scaling up wholesaling, anything else big? Just I know there's a lot of stuff changing in the real estate world. Yeah. What's, what's, what do you see like five, 10 year plan? Man, if I could just hit that crypto coin. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, um, look, I like real estate and I like wholesaling. Um, I see myself getting more into portfolio building. Mm -hmm. I have a, you know, small portfolio now. And yeah. now that I have wholesale scaled and I have a little time, I could focus on it. So where I see myself in a couple of years is definitely with a, a, a bigger operation um, running. Yeah. And, but also just building portfolio and then getting involved in big deals. And um, I like a lot of this stuff. So mm -hmm. I think in, you know, where I see myself in five years is spending a lot of time doing stuff like this and, you know, giving back to people. You know, I, I don't have all the answers, but if I can help you get to deal one or deal 10 in wholesale, yeah. um, I would love to, you know, give back for free, whatever, you know, like, so yeah. see myself doing a lot of this, growing wholesale, growing portfolios and yeah, just enjoying life, man. Traveling a little bit more. Cool. <laughs> so if people want to reach out to you, where can they reach out to you? So uh, Instagram at Rob Lufe, and then also my YouTube channel, um, Rob Lufe. I post three new videos there a week, a bunch of tips and tricks and stuff. Mm -hmm. Also have a podcast, Flipping Miami. Your what? Sorry. A podcast. Called okay. Flipping yeah. Yeah. yeah called yeah, Flipping yeah. Miami. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so nice. at Rob Lufe on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all that stuff, you could find me. Great. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you, for, thank you for coming. Yeah. Awesome. Appreciate all it. Right.